What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Report's college football and NFL draft podcast. It's Monday morning. That means you're hearing me, Matt Miller. I got my boy Mello sitting right across the stolen desk from me. Stolen desk? I don't know what you're talking about. Commandeered. And we got old CR Connor Rogers, the best hair in the show business, live from Hoboken. That's right. A man that finally has a desk in his apartment. <laughs> so it feels good. Where did you guys get this desk? So, true story, we did commandeer it. Well, you know, we moved into a new office space that used to be a law office. And they were like, yeah, there's a bunch of, there's this room with all these empty desks and chairs. If you guys need anything, they probably wouldn't care if you borrowed it. So we did. Borrowed so we, it. We <laughs> borrowed it. If they ask for it back, we'll probably give it to them. Probably. Or yeah. just pretend like it was in here the whole time. Yeah, they're not going to know. Did you hit up some Ikea to get your desk? No, I went with Amazon Prime. Ooh, that's what And here's the funny thing about this desk. It, it offered the service for somebody to come build it, which, like, I'm not that type of person. Like, I fix everything myself or build everything myself. Because you're a man. And it, yep. was like, it was like a $75 service charge and, like, an estimated time of four hours. <laughs> and then when I got the desk in the description, it says... 10 minute self-assembly <laughs> i was gonna say who has ever <laughs> taken four hours yeah. to build a desk i, built I was one like, what a, in like three hours. what a scam right <laughs> what a scam because there's probably people that are like oh my god of course i need this service i was like i'm not getting this and then i look it was literally just like screw four legs into the desk that was it i'm one of those people that's like i mean i don't mow my own grass i don't change my own oil it's like i do the math <laughs> of how long will this take me versus how much i make an hour uh, okay, I'm going to pay someone to do it kind of thing. But even, like furniture assembly is my thing now. It's like kind of relieving, like stress relieving for me. The things I've gotten cool. good at from like being poor, like when I was <laughs> right? in college was awesome. Like I, I remember I replaced a door once because like we had to kick one down from somebody getting <laughs> locked out. I mean, the, the amount of stuff I learned how to do, like mounting TVs is like a specialty it's uh yeah it's really nice to be self-taught and that stuff out of desperation need to bring you to the job one office then get some shit done (laughs) set things up we got a fun show for you guys tonight hundred dollar handshakes that's where we give a hat tip to all the big college players the week no well actually from mellow this week no rule interpretation needed so i'm gonna open the old cookbook the stick to football cookbook first segment ever we're gonna give you a great one this week our Heisman top five list are getting updated, and then we're going to do your draft on draft questions. But boys, let's start it out. We do this every Monday morning. Hundred dollar handshakes. My first one goes to DK Metcalf. My goodness, that's a hard name to say. At Ole Miss, sit down, AJ Brown. DK Metcalf. I can't do it. He needs a nickname. <laughs> Metcalf is on the rise. DK. <laughs> I think his nickname is DK. Yeah, it's like Burger King Metcalf is what my mouth tries to say. He went off this week, and uh, the more I watch him, I know Connor said this about a week ago to me and it, it really got me thinking of watching more I, I do think he might be the better pre- the better player the better prospect 6 4 230 and that one-handed grab he had it looked like he was catching like a baseball it, the football yeah, just, just like a center fielder it's like yeah. he had a glove out there amazing probably does have some gloves on but another big game from him and yeah, i know they played kent state but still a big game and and he's one of my favorite players in the country right now very talented receiver group that they have there too even you know demarcus lodge is another receiver their third receiver that they have a whole lot of size out there they can get some shit going on defense they might be pretty good speaking of guys that need to get shit going on defense i'm going with the mountaineers west virginia will greer is a guy that has been on our heisman list but i don't know that we've ever really highlighted him as a hundred dollar handshake guy he's this guy's tearing it up he went 25 of 35 this weekend 356 yards passing and five touchdowns and he didn't do it against some shitty school he did it against kansas state who is known for being just a tough rowdy 
physical team. Yeah, and uh, his guy David Sills. There, you see, there were so many times like his other receivers were dropping the ball. He's like, "Fuck it, I'm throwing it to Sills," and it it works. So they both probably they might have to split that fifty and fifty or something. 75 25 yeah it's, it's wild Greer just keeps putting up video game numbers game after game and that's why we're going to be talking about him during the Heisman conversation once again today uh my first hundred dollar handshake goes to O'Shane Zimenez I think I got that right you from Old it. Dominion I, I listened to all the pronunciations before this and Matt this was a guy and and Mello that was you know could have declared last year he was yeah. on the scouts radar and he surprisingly stayed back at school. So he's going to be a little bit of an older prospect, but a very good pass rush prospect from Old Dominion. Two sacks in what was the biggest upset of the weekend with Virginia Tech. I talked all that shit how Virginia Tech could be a CFB playoff sleeper. And then <laughs> they lose to Old Dominion. And this guy was a big reason for that. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. I think he could be a top 60 pick next spring. Hey, I'll just go right into that too because I took somebody from Old Dominion also just on the other side of the ball. Their quarterback who is looks about Kyler Murray size, Blake LaRussa. Dude threw for 495 yards and five touchdowns against Virginia Tech. Like, upset of It's a good defense. Yes, exactly. You were talking about him going undefeated the rest of the year, and then I guess they listened to the show because they did not come out and fight against the Old Dominion. I love that we're talking about Zimenez, though. I wrote an article about him a week ago. I was like, this is the best pass rusher you guys have never heard of, and he's blowing up, so I'm glad we all got on that a little bit early. My next one... And I think he's probably made one of our list every week, or at least should have. It's Tua at Alabama. This dude is amazing. I saw Daniel Jeremiah say this is like watching Steve Young play. And it's like, yeah, it is. A, a, a number 13 left-handed spreading the ball all over the field. So far this year, 12 touchdowns, zero interceptions. He had a great game uh, again this past week against Texas A&M. In a bit of a slowdown for them, they only scored 45 points. He is unstoppable right now, and we're going to get to our Heisman list. He better be on all yours, or I'm going to go Baker Mayfield and call him to question your knowledge. Yeah, definitely. I'm with you there, too. Like He's doing it against SEC opponents now, through for 387 yards. Like It's special what he's doing, and it almost seems like his mechanics are even improving, like his footwork. He's just... Obviously, he's a guy that can go out there and cut loose and throw the ball and make some plays. But now it looks like he's really growing and maturing as the season goes on. He could be scary when you get into those November-December games. Oh, man. Yeah, once you see him as a runner, it's going to be crazy. I go again here. I'm going with a $100 handshake, and I guess this one goes back to the NCAA because they started scheduling Friday night football games, and I don't mean just the MAC playing on Friday nights. This week we got to see Penn State versus Illinois, UCF versus FAU. Thursday nights used to be a college football night before the NFL had to swoop in and get their money. So the NCAA is just like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's put some good games on a Friday night, and they're finally doing it. I wish that I could have watched it live on Friday, but I love what they're doing and putting some good schools and showcasing them on Friday night. Washington State USC as well in a very yeah, close yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm right with you there. The Friday night games are awesome because they've actually been really good matchups that people care about with players people care about. Uh, my next one, another team goes down that I liked. Boston College loses. They got demolished by Purdue. It wasn't even a game at all. I could not believe it. And a big reason of that was David Blau, their quarterback, uh, senior quarterback who just completely went off. TR really likes this guy. He's been talking about this guy to me for like the last 10 days. And I was like, yeah, he had a really big game against Missouri. He put up almost 600 yards passing. And then he really goes out and does it against a good defense in Boston College. So uh, David 
Blau from Purdue. You get $100 in that hand this week. I really expected Purdue to come out hot this Same. year. Same. We talked about just, it They summer. got some good athletes. I did like their quarterback. They had a good year last year, and it's just it's been a slow start for them. But maybe after that, I don't know, Connor curse against Boston College, <laughs> maybe they do start getting that season rolling. It's been bad. It hasn't been bad. And it, do you guys see the tweet where every coach that we've had on the show has lost the next right. week? Right. Oh my God! And now we start talking about like how these teams are going to be so great, and guess what? They come out and they lose. Nick Saban. We talk shit on Kyler Murray, and we made him a Heisman Trophy candidate. Yeah, we get mad at Baker, and he has like the greatest touchdown second half ever. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome, guys. Uh, My next one, and DeAndre Baker makes plays every week. There was a play this week. It wasn't an interception. It wasn't a forced fumble. It wasn't a pass defense. He fell down, but made a tackle that saved a first down. It just did a fantastic job, and I wanted to just highlight him as a guy who, with corners, it's not always interceptions, it's not always the big swats. Sometimes it's just getting up off your ass and making a tackle to to bring somebody up short to get the turn the ball to turn over. So DeAndre Baker, cornerback from Georgia, someone that I do think is a first round corner. He's my number two ranked player at that spot right now. He plays the game the right way, man. Just physical smart I mean it, the discipline that he has is really really impressive and I mean that whole Georgia team is that way but we saw him they they made Drew Locke a quarterback from Missouri someone a lot of people like they made that dude look pedestrian man and yeah skill players too they destroyed them yeah all around the field like people were blaming the support system in Mizzou like oh he doesn't have any receivers to tie in no bullshit well actually (laughs) they do have some players and Georgia just made them look shitty I really was excited to watch that game and see what Drew Locke could do against a good defense and it wasn't much. He has a lot of arms on, but he did not do anything to impress me. And I was going in with open mind, trying to give this guy a shot. He did not look good Saturday against DeAndre Baker and those Georgia Bulldogs. All right, my other guy, another quarterback here, uh, you know, his first start of the year, Ian Book on Notre Dame. I did not think this was the right move, and I was texting you guys before that I, Brian Kelly, I, you know, don't really like him, don't like the way he handles his players year after year. But Book comes out and goes against Wake Forest and, you know, completes almost 75% of his passes, doesn't turn the ball over, and had a five total touchdowns. So when you look at it, I'm not saying this was the right call yet, but for Book to step in in a situation that was kind of a no-win situation out of nowhere. Nobody really even knew he was going to start until maybe about 12 hours before the game. It felt like a really, really good performance for a team that they don't look dominant, but at the end of the day, they're still 4-0. And if they can throw the ball, which it looks like maybe they can with Book in there, that's a completely different team because their defense is very good. And like you said, they, they don't look dominant, but they're just good. And I think that is... Like, you guys know, listening, this is not a Brian Kelly fan club podcast by any stretch of the imagination, but I I do got to give credit to that move. My last one, uh, and OU, I was ruined so hard for Army. It was like, oh, man, Pop was drafted into the Army. I am pulling for him through and through to beat Oklahoma, and they came up just short in overtime. But this dude for Oklahoma deserves a ton of praise. It's not Kyler Murray. It is Kenneth Murray. The linebacker had 28 tackles against oh my god he was like named defensive player of the week obviously 28 tackles i mean that's like when they used to lie about how many tackles ray lewis had in the game in the game book just so he would like be breaking records for most tackles and stuff uh but kenneth murray has been all over the field for them all season long and against a team like army that runs the ball a lot he had a huge day i mean oklahoma had i think about 40 offensive plays 
Kyler Murray had 15 pass attempts. They had 25 rushing attempts. I don't, I'm not counting punts, so that's yeah. 40 plays. And this dude had 28 tackles on defense. It's crazy. It's a school record. Congrats to him, even though you picked a shitty school. <laughs> yeah, should have uh, should have gone to Texas. All right, my last one, Justin Herbert. I, I know what a crushing loss for Oregon in the end of all this, and I know some people are blaming him, you know, for the overtime, even though that's even hard to do. Herbert played a great game against a good team, and I'm not ready to say Herbert is this round one top ten lock kind of pick. But you see a lot of talent, and the biggest question people had is, how is Herbert going to stack up when, when they do play what the, you know people considered stronger programs? And I think he looks the part. I think he makes all the throws. I love the kind of athlete he is. We don't even know if he's going to declare, but I think Justin Herbert has somehow almost become an underappreciated college player. That happens every year, right, where over the summer, guys like us can say, hey, Justin Herbert, someone NFL teams like, and then there's this uh, this collection of people on Twitter who have to clip out any bad throw he makes to say, oh, these guys don't know what they're talking about, when guess what? At the end of the day, he's still a player the NFL teams really like, and you can motherfuck NFL scouts all day, and oh, anonymous scouts are going to say this and that. Those guys are usually pretty right. And I, I think with Justin Herbert, like you said there, I mean, what he did in the you know first four quarters of that game was very impressive. And I think you could you know question some of the coaching. The, the Oregon defense definitely laid down. Bryce Love got cooking a little bit for Stanford. But he was impressive. My biggest concern was that the word on Herbert is that he is mentally soft. And I think in overtime, we saw him really struggle. And the people that don't like him are going to pull that back up and say, yeah, man, he looked great when it was like flag football time. But when it was, you know, hey, you're down in the 20, you got to make a play. He couldn't get anything working. You know, just trying to throw stick fades over and over again to, to Mitchell split out right. So I, I think that, yeah, he had a great game. But when they needed him most in overtime, you know, he missed on four straight throws. He really impressed me, too. I wanted to watch that game and see what he could do. And I haven't been his biggest supporter yet, but he, he actually impressed me. And I think if I had to label somebody right now as the quarterback one, it would be him. Same. Until Same. Like, I'm proven wrong because I have not been impressed with Stidham. And I thought he was going to be special. But what he was able to come out and do against a very good Stanford defense was impressive. Again, you have to go back to that mental toughness, though. Like, what happened in the overtime period? He threw three straight passes to a guy that was covered. One of them, yeah, probably could have been called for pass interference. But still, he, things fell apart, it looked like. But going forward, he was a very great athlete. I was glad to see that Connor put him on his list because I did want to talk about him. He impressed me enough to make him my quarterback one. Yeah, I, and I, I'm with you. I want to say before Connor jumps back in, he would be number one on my list if we had to rank him right now. But uh, I don't know that there's anyone I'm super excited about. You know, him being QB one is not like it was when you know it was golf or yeah, it's not it, the it, suck for luck. No, nah, <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's it, definitely not. I think I think the guy that intrigues me the most is Dwayne Haskins. But you know, people keep asking me about him. But we've only seen a couple games, and they've been right. really, really good. But we need a full sample size to, to do a write-up. Nobody does, you know, that was, this was the argument, and this is going to be different because Haskins is going to have this full season, and I think it's going to be a really good one. Remember, Cardell Jones played a couple games, and people were like, yep. whoa, Cardell Jones could go in the first round if he declares. And then he stayed, and people kind of saw what he really was, and it, it obviously destroyed his draft stock. So you don't want to make any crazy statements right away, but I'm the most intrigued by Haskins. I think I like Herbert the most talent-wise. Outside of that, 
I do not like this class at all. Yeah, I'm with you right there, man. And whew, it's a good year to need a defensive lineman. Not much else. Uh, last little bit that we have for you here uh, in, in this top of the show, Sticks Football Cookbook. And I've always called these beer pretzels. I, I Someone the other day was like, where's the beer? And it's like, well, I, I eat them when when I'm drinking beer. So uh, here's what you want to do. Go to a grocery store and get a like a large bag of pretzels. And so like pretzel sticks, you know, like, I don't care if you get roll gold, you can get like Walmart brand. It doesn't matter, but get the big bag of pretzel sticks. You want to take that and dump it into a Ziploc bag, like a gallon Ziploc bag. Then here's where this gets amazing guys. Uh, three quarters of a cup of virgin olive oil, and then throw in a packet of ranch dressing mix. Uh, I put a little dill in there and then some garlic powder, shake that thing up, let it sit for like five, six hours. And oh my God, I made two bags of this yesterday, and that's why I was tweeting about it. And it's, I can't wait. I haven't. I don't think I've ever had these pretzels. I've known you for 30 years. I don't think I had them at my house today. You didn't need any? No, I did not. I didn't see them displayed. I will tell you one time I got crazy and I bought some unsalted uh, sunflower seeds on accident. So I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll take care of this myself. I was going to like make my own flavor. I thought I was going to be a genius. Mm -mm. So I put them all in a Ziploc bag. And did like, I think a little bit of olive oil. And then I put garlic salt in there. I went way too much garlic <laughs> salt and they were fucking terrible. So don't put that in the cookbook book, but uh, maybe try those beer pretzels. All right. Now, as we do every single Monday, it's time to update the Heisman rankings and boys. I'm very sad this week because <laughs> we're not even a month in and my defense for Heisman campaign <laughs> has never been more dead. Yeah, ever. I was, say it's I was over. so... <laughs> I was so upset. I was having a, I was having a beer before the show, and I was sitting there, and I was like, "Can I make the argument for O'Shane Zimenez as number five on my list?" And then people would be like, "Fuck this stupid campaign! Stop doing this!" So number five for me is a guy that is new to the list, running back Miles Sanders. And if you don't know much about him, he is basically Saquon Barkley's replacement, but he has been much better than that in just four games already. He's almost up to 500 yards on the ground. He's been a good receiving back at times he didn't do much this week but you know in previous games he had a couple catches this guy has picked up right where this Penn State rushing attack left off and in a year where we're going to talk about a lot of quarterbacks after this he's quietly been a consistent running back for a team that's winning football games right now and that happens a lot with running backs like they will just consistently do their job they'll get yards here and there a couple touchdowns and then they have a blow-up game so like if he handles his business they have Ohio State this week if he can come through with a big game I think he's definitely going to be on people's boards everyone's yeah and I know a lot of people are asking me about him as a draft prospect because he is a junior I wouldn't be shocked if he has a big enough year and reads the writing on the wall there with, you know, Trace McSorley going, pro Juwan Johnson will be gone and saying, hey, I don't want to be here for a, a rebuild on offense. Let me go ahead and jump to the pros. We're looking for a number one running back in this class still. So he might have a chance to not only be the, the top back for Heisman voters, but also just out there in the nation as the top back. So number five for me, this list, guys, no one. Not doing it. I have... We, I have narrowed my list down to four because you know it was like Jonathan Taylor I just can't put these guys up there anymore and it really sucks because I agree with you actually <laughs> like I just left it blank and I saw that you did too but I just I don't want to put anybody else in there because I think if we had the Heisman right now we're taking four guys and yeah. me you and Connor agree on those four guys we just have a little bit of a different order oh god so I am also going to leave that number five spot blank you talk about running backs if I had to put another guy in there 
there it would be Snell from Kentucky, but I don't think Kentucky's going to have a big enough year it, or he's a big enough name yet for Heisman. That's what I'll do at my number five spot. I want to talk about that because I had people tweeting me about, you know, you got don't forget this guy in the Heisman race or this guy or this guy. And it's like, fellas, to win the Heisman, you have to be on a very good team. You pretty much have to be ranked in the top 10 and you have to play quarterback or running back. Like yep. as much as we love Marquise Brown, I guess he would be number five. We do not. Yeah, or Connor and I do. Yep. Like when Dee Westbrook was a finalist, and it was just like, oh, we need another guy. Right. So God, we'll I put forgot Dini that he even was. Yeah. yeah. Like, like Lamar Jackson was the outlier because he wasn't on like a great team. I think they lost two or three games, but he put up ridiculous numbers yeah. that we had never seen before, and no one else really even in was a bad year. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So stop sending me that. Anthony Johnson from Buffalo or, or Tyree Jackson from Buffalo is yeah, going like, the Heisman. I hope to have a great year, but they're, they're not winning the Heisman. I don't think you could ever win the Heisman out of a Power Five conference. Like it's, You'd have score it's not going to happen. I don't think it would ever happen. You know what we should do then? If we're not going to use the number five spot anymore, we should take our best player in the FCS and just put him there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. FCS, Heisman, whatever their award is. Yeah, number Walter five, Payton. best player in the FCS. Yep. Yeah, for next week. There we go. Yeah. Okay, so number four for all of us, not to, to spoiler, like Melo said. <laughs> we, easy. This is crazy how similar our lists are. Number four for all of us, Will Greer, quarterback, West Virginia. He's going to have the numbers, like Melo said. Uh, I think the biggest question is playing for West Virginia. Are they going to have the the ranking, the stats, uh, win-loss for him to ever be up there as more than like a, I don't want to say a pity candidate, but just like, a, oh, let's get four guys there. And I, he plays in the Big 12. He's obviously going to put up numbers against uh, weaker defenses. So I think they could probably even run the table. They have, let's see what they have coming up. Texas Tech. Not going to play defense. He's going to put up big numbers there. Right. Kansas, who knows what the hell they're going to do. Iowa State might play some defense. Baylor might play some defense. He plays at Texas. That's going to be a good test for him. Yeah. TCU next week will be a good test for him. And then they play Oklahoma in the last game of the season. If we don't have any solid guys going into that game, that's going to be a really good showdown between him and Kyler Murray. Yeah. I mean, he's right in it. There's no doubt. I don't think he's going to leave this spot for a while. Like you said, we're going to learn more about him against Texas. That's the big thing right now because that's a defense playing with a lot of energy all of a sudden. But before that, it's, you're kind of sitting there like, okay, well, you know, will they have the wins? Because you know he's going to have the numbers. And the ironic thing is, here's another one at number three. Same thing. We all have Kyler Murray. And a guy that's going to put up gigantic numbers on a team that's going to win a ton of games. But at the end of the day, is that going to be enough to top the two guys that we have ahead of him? And I honestly think like Kyler Murray slipped, in my opinion, this past week because not not only because they almost lost to Army, but you had a, a day where he was 11 of 15 for 165 yards. He did throw three touchdowns, ran for another, but he also threw his second pick of the year. I think that's a Against game Army. where... And we're trying to be realistic in these rankings. These are who I would vote for, but while also trying to think like a Heisman voter... Heisman voters have not proven themselves to be the most intelligent people out there. So a day like that where you almost lose to Army, I don't think helps him when you have guys like Tua and Dwayne Haskins out there doing Superman type shit. Yeah, it definitely dropped him down. Like even just the production of the 28 points and and not putting it on a team like Army like you thought that they would, that's going to hurt his stock. He did. He even made some pretty good plays, even though this fucking game was not on TV for some reason. <laughs> that hurts like him a, too, though. It was a pay- pay-per-view game like what are you doing get your games on so tv dumb. 
Yeah, I had to stream it from some guy watching it, literally from his couch, streaming it with his phone. But that's going to hurt Kyler Murray's stock, and I think that's why all of us have him at number three right now. Yeah, absolutely do. And number two, this is where things change a little bit. We are very similar. Melo and I, you and I both have the same guy here. I'll let you take it. I'm going with Dwayne Haskins. Uh, We love him, all of us. Yeah, on this podcast, uh, I love what he's doing. I just think that there's a guy out there performing a little bit better than him. But we cannot underrate what Haskins is doing. He went 21 of 24 this week in 304 passing yards and four touchdowns. He's been unreal. We expected big things from him. Connor was on him on the start of this, the whole season, and he has been very impressive. He hasn't done anything to lose votes. He's just he's my number two guy for right now. And I'm with you. Five touchdowns this week. Uh, his best performance statistically of the year. Uh, no interceptions. Only threw three freaking incomplete passes the whole game. That's almost unheard of. So huge day for him. I know it was against Tulane. That's what one thing that I think will hurt Dwayne Haskins is the people who say, yeah, but the schedule. They play Penn State this week, like Melo said. Uh, They play Michigan much later in the year. But the schedule for them, it's not the SEC. You know, you're not getting that top-tier competition week in and week out. But my Lord, this man is tearing people up. And we might be talking about him as a one-and-done type player at quarterback. 6'3", 220. It throws a tight-ass spiral, very athletic. Uh, he's someone that I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, two and one right here are neck and neck. I went with Tua at number two, and I went Haskins number one. And do I think there's some bias there that I've always liked Haskins a little more? Yeah, no, no without a doubt. But I think when you take away all the biases, my argument between them is Dwayne Haskins does more for Ohio State than Tua does for Alabama. And Tua has been amazing. For Alabama. He, he has taken them to a level where I do not think they are going to lose a game. I don't know how competitive a lot of their games are going to be. I doubt a lot of them are. But I feel like when you go from JT Barrett to Dwayne Haskins, the jump has been astronomical. And I do want to see the big games. I, I thought he played very well against TCU. I want to see more games like that. But if I was voting today, I think Dwayne Haskins deserves this award across the board, whether it's talent, stats, team, and what he does for his team. I'll agree with you. I think Haskins is actually more important to his team than Tua is, as weird as that sounds. I know that we've always, I mean, everybody can see what this Alabama offense has been doing this year. It's been crazy. But I actually, I agree with you. I think Haskins is more important to the offense at Ohio State than Tua is in Alabama. Well, you saw Jalen Hurts take him to back-to-back natties. I mean, he's he's pretty good. So, yeah, I think if you're going to MVP award, then it definitely is Dwayne Haskins. Number one on my list is Tua. Uh, the man is unreal. Everything he does each week. I mean, whether it's a quick strike, big play, or just the, the smart way that he plays ball, the stats are definitely going to be there, which is crazy to think, right, that an Alabama quarterback is going to have the stats to win the Heisman. But he's probably going to 12 touchdowns, zero interceptions this year. Threw for 387 yards. Like, that's usually you see the rushing stats like that for Alabama. Yeah. They don't throw for that many yards ever. Yeah. So he already this year has uh, what he's already put up 14 touchdowns, 12 on the ground, two. Uh, 12 in the air, two on the ground. So, and I, I think that, like Connor no said, does he have a little bit of a bias about Haskins? Maybe, but I think Heisman voters are going to have a little bit of a bias against Alabama. I mean, this team, because they are just, I don't know that they are beatable right now. I don't know if you can compete against them. Right? And I think with Tua, that's what it's going to come down to this almost like mythological season. It's, it's crazy. 
I can remember having these conversations with Mello and, and probably with Connor just sitting around or being in a bar of like, man, imagine if Alabama ever got a quarterback. Right, like like a real quarterback since this Saban's been there. Like yeah, they have always been able to dominate. No disrespect with... to Greg Mackle, really, but this is a little different. Like, exactly, like AJ McCarron looked special when he was at Alabama, and he's nothing compared to Tua. Like yeah. what he can do and his mobility, his arm strength, it's nothing like Nick Saban has ever had before. All right, y'all, let's do some draft-on-draft questions as we close out the night. Thank you guys for sending these in, whether it's through Twitter, Instagram, Reddit. Telegram, mail, anyway, anyway you do it. We should carry pigeon. Point, carrier pigeon, smoke signals be cool. Um, yep. I would really like if someone would do like the Mission Impossible thing, where it's like you're the, we get the draft on draft question, and then it's like this message will self destruct. Yeah, go ahead and five. send those to Matt's address. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with it. Anthrax. So, all right, first question from JQ underscore TV. He sent this to me on Twitter. He says, "I got two draft on draft questions for you. First one." Is it possible to see Rashawn Gary fall out of the top 10 in the draft because teams might take other needs? So we have seen this before. I think Derwin James is a great example of someone that we all really, really liked. Top 10 type player. And he fell in the draft, not because of anything he did wrong, just teams. We saw teams taking quarterbacks and we saw a couple offensive tackles go really before they should have. So, yeah, it can get to that point where more talented players drop down the board uh, because of need and not it doesn't say anything about the player. Derwin James is a 17th pick in the draft and shouldn't have been. So there are definitely recent examples of that. And I really like Rashawn Gary, but I also think that he could just go outside the top 10 anyway. Like, I think he's I a scheme-specific guy. You look at Ed Oliver, I don't care what kind of defense you play, he can play in it. You look at Bosa, he can play in any defense. I don't know if you can say the same about Rashawn Gary, and he's going to have to compete with the guys like Davis from Alabama, Cleveland Farrell as an edge rusher. Like, there's a lot of competition once you get to that third defensive lineman. Yes, yeah, cra- even like Draymond Jones this year has exactly. just been a better player. It- it's crazy to me. I think the high school hype around Gary has almost hurt him in a way where we thought he was always going to be neck and neck with Bosa and Oliver. And that's not who he is. And that's not saying he's a bad player. But I think the hype has really it created unrealistic expectations for him at a school where the hype became unrealistic as well in the Harbaugh era, growing and growing and growing. And he was one of the faces of big recruiting classes there. So I definitely see him falling out of the top 10 unless there's some kind of dramatic improvement and superior athletic testing. And I don't know if we're going to get that. It's like Robert Kim DJ without the off field, you know, where it's like this guy was a great player. He's a phenomenal athlete. He was a single digit as a D lineman. So it's like very recognizable. And you kind of get caught up in that instead of, wait, can he actually play football a little bit? Yep. Gary's a great athlete. I, this could be really interesting. And he is great off the field, too. He seems very mature. Yeah. He's a good leader. He's very passionate about winning. He's competitive. But I just. I kind of question that athletic ability. I think he, he's a defensive tackle, you know, a 3-4 end, whatever you want to call him. I don't want to get heat on Twitter yeah, right. for label him the wrong thing, but he's probably he's a 3-tech guy, and yeah. I just I don't know if there's a lot of value in the top 10 at that position. Yeah, all right. Uh, his second question, what's the draft outlook for Buffalo quarterback Tyrese Jackson? He actually played against him in high school, and he's looked good at times on the collegiate level. Is his stock right now a day-two guy, maybe late? maybe late day two, day three, or undrafted. 
I think he's a day three guy. Uh, throws a beautiful deep ball. I have not seen him move off his spot very often, and I admittedly am not rushing to break down Buffalo tape every Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's fair. <laughs> what I saw from him over the summer especially was a guy that uh, you know, was big-armed but a little bit limited in terms of movement skills, and then just there weren't a lot of reads. It was, is Anthony Johnson open? I'm going to throw it deep. I agree with you, too. And we talk about this quarterback class a lot as they haven't established like a guy that is number one yet. But there are a lot of guys in that mix. I would say there's good seven or eight guys that we are constantly talking about and reviewing. And he hasn't been one of them really yet. So I'm looking at probably a day three guy just because there's so much depth to this quarterback class, even though it's probably not special at all. Yeah, I think he's one of those players like kind of in a way where we saw early on Josh Allen where it was like, wow, he can make throws that no one or maybe a handful of people on this planet can make. And I think that excites people. So I'm curious to watch him, how he plays the position, not just how he makes those splash throws. I, I think when you look at the tools there, it's a guy that can go at the end of day two. And I wouldn't be shocked after the quarterbacks. We Remember, like C.J. Beathard went day two. When it comes to quarterbacks, nothing surprises me ever. And, yeah, and he's only a junior. So I would hope that at least I think I'm reading that right. I think he's only a redshirt junior. So, I mean, I guess he could come out, but I would I would hope he would be a guy that would return. You're right, Jesus, C.J. Beathard. Thanks a lot. Now he's probably the quarterback for the Niners. Yep. Now yeah, that, no, uh, not probably. He is the quarterback <laughs> yeah, for the 49ers. Thanks, <laughs> thanks a lot. At least you guys will be drafting high again this year. Yeah, so we can take Mike McGlinchey. That would be great. I am a Chiefs <laughs> fan. No, I'm not, but it's easy to be one. All right, next question from Cool Clarence on Reddit. Where do we see Daryl Henderson getting drafted next year, and what number back is he on the board right now so big year statistically for Henderson uh, I'll tell you uh, I, I really quickly look at my notes when you guys bring up names like this and a big part of and we got asked this on our Reddit AMA last week but a big part of what I do is over the summer before I start watching film is I check note my list with NFL scouts and be like hey who am I missing who am I missing Henderson's a junior, so it's kind of understandable that he wouldn't be on a list, but he was not on any list I got back from any team. So this guy's pretty under the radar. He's 5'9", maybe 200 pounds. He's a good receiver, but he kind of falls into that tweener. Like He's an athlete, he's fast, but I don't know that he's a... He's a running back prospect. And I don't know that he's fast enough to make up for the size thing, right? Like, we will see guys yeah. where it's like, oh, okay, well, he's ridiculously fast. This is going to be okay. I don't know that he's that fast. I think he's a really good college back, but kind of like Melo just said, I don't know that he's necessarily a, a pro prospect. He's not on my board right now, uh, mostly because he is a junior who I would not expect to declare. If he did, I would guess he's probably in that 12 to 15 range, probably as a running back prospect. Yeah, I kind of have – I don't see him as like a top five back. And also, he's a fun player. He's had a really good college year, and it's exciting. He's ran against Mercer, Navy, Georgia State, and South Alabama. I mean <laughs> – Right, like congratulations, you kicked South Alabama's ass. Yeah, I'm not ready to crown him just yet. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting name to bring up because these guys with big, uh, with big statistics – you always wonder how are they going to project at the next level. So you look at the athleticism, you look at the size, you look at the running style, and I do think he has talent on the field in terms of running style, but at that size, a guy that looks like a little more limited athlete than you'd expect, I don't really see him falling into the top five backs of this class. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, another one, Apache1021. He sent in two questions on Reddit as well. 
First question, guys, with the growing use of spur, viper, linebacker, safety hybrids, will we see the NFL adjust their schemes to optimize these players? I think we already, we already have. have. That's yeah, I was going to say yeah. the same thing. Like we already have. Mark Look Barron, at the linebackers Mark Barron played strong safety at Alabama. He's an outside linebacker for the Rams. I, I think he's the perfect example of it. Jamal Adams plays outside linebacker. Yeah. But yes, does he line up at safety like maybe five, six times a game? Yeah, that's what Marcus May hurt. When Marcus May's back, I mean, Jamal Adams plays outside linebacker. Micah Fitzpatrick plays in the box, slot corner, safety. Derwin James plays ever These guys, these new high, and they're special players. It's not that the league's just taking everyone and making them do this. Jamal Adams, Micah Fitzpatrick, Derwin James, these guys can do it. And we're always looking for the next guy. That, like Grant Delpit is the college version yeah. of that. If you look at what he does every game, he'll play defensive line, linebacker, slot corner, deep safety. You know, it's just the new age of maximizing these athletes that can also hit. And I think last year in the draft, Minka Fitzpatrick was the prime example of that. I remember Melo saying his best position's edge, but like he weighs 210 pounds. <laughs> Great so, blitzer. Right. It, it's Yeah, so the NFL has adjusted and maybe that's on like the announcers to not you know they're not pointing that out and like Melo kind of made a joke about I got heat on Twitter for calling uh, Akeem Hicks a D-tackle well, he is a D-tackle he just sometimes plays D-end in a 3-4 but people are stuck in this I don't know if it's Madden to blame yeah or, you have to put somebody in a yeah, position it's not like that anymore like guys are, are you're almost just matchup players especially in the secondary where it, you're moving around way too much and I, I definitely think that you know, it would be cool if it was just okay. D line one, D line two, D line three, D line four, like whatever. You know, it, it, and that's why we use D line or edge when we're we're talking about players as prospects because D line means you could play anywhere interior on the D line or as a, a three four defensive end, and edge is a, a stand up rusher. So uh, it's whew, people get so pissed off about nothing anymore. Uh, question number two, and we kind of talked about this earlier. Justin Herbert looked like a man against Stanford. How much does play against good opponents versus play in general affect a scouting report of a prospect? And we it's have huge. kind of talked about it too, and I do think it's huge because even if we don't talk about Herbert, because we have a lot already, like I said about Drew Locke, like what you do against these big schools or these good quality defenses, that's what NFL's teams are looking for. How do you play when you're going against real competition? That's why we have things like the Senior Bowl. We want to see you against some real good competition so we can get a fair grade on you. Yeah, and we talked about it in the the preview of the uh, Stanford Oregon game. We wanted to see Herbert against a physical defense, someone that was going to hit him. And we, yeah, we saw him get out some more on some design runs. And I, I thought his pocket presence looked really good. But you know, it is it, it definitely matters. And I, I know I, I've said before, and uh, to both you guys, the sometimes the lights matter. Like you want those big games against big prospects, so that you can just see how guys handle that stage of you know, can you handle. Monday night football, Thursday night football. Can you handle playing Michigan, Ohio State, or, you know, USC, Texas? We were there. There's 110,000 people in a stadium that are just screaming their heads off. Like, can you handle that, or do you kind of shy away from it? I heard a story this week of an NFL quarterback, a starting NFL quarterback whose own team thinks he can't handle it. Like, he can't handle the pressure of being the number one guy. That stuff matters when you get down to it. And I'm not going to say who. It's obviously Pat Mahomes. Yeah, it's Pat. Yeah, yeah. right. Definitely. It was he told me. He's having such a sophomore slump. Like, that guy's just, he's terrible. He's not any good. 
It's C.J. Beathard. (laughs) Well, it should be. It would apply. It's actually Sam Darnold. (laughs) It's not really. I swear to God, it's not. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Last question, guys. Big Pete, eighty-eight. With so much talent in the NFL, who are our top three LSU players of all time? This is so hard. I'll let Connor have Jamal Adams. You give me Jamal. You know what? Okay, since I've been doing this for me, it's Patrick Peterson, um, Odell Beckham, and Jamal Adams. I think two of them are a very easy answer. Like Odell Beckham is one of the most talented receivers we've ever seen. Pat Peterson is so special at corner. The dude weighs 220 and can run with anybody. So Nobody talks about him. Yeah, I know. Not anymore. Nobody does anymore. Give me those two guys. And then, you know, also Jarvis Landry is very good. I love him. And Tyron Matthew also. So I would probably take Tyron, but definitely Beckham and Pat Peterson. So I've been doing this a little longer than you guys. I, Pat Pete would be up there for me, uh, hands down. Glenn Dorsey in college was unstoppable. He was. He was That's a right. very high draft And then pick yeah, he got drafted by the Chiefs, and they made him a 3-4 defensive lineman. He should have been a three technique. He should have been a penetrator. He should have been uh, Aaron McCoy. Donald. Yeah, yeah, Gerald McCoy. Yeah, it should have been just like that. So, um, But I would say like uh, Pat Pete's number one. Odell would be two. I think Jamal's number three for me. I, I can just everything from the first time, and I want to give credit to my boy Kenny Vaccaro because I remember thinking, I remember tweeting even, it was like, oh, the safety class is going to be really good. And, and, you know, Malik Hooker and, or not Malik Hooker, but it's like Jamal Adams and all these other guys and Jabril Peppers. And he was like, no one in this class touches Jamal Adams. No one, not Marcus May, nobody. And it was like, oh, well, I'm going to dig into this guy more. So you start asking about like the character and the work ethic, and then you realize, oh, man, this guy's actually just really, really special. Um, so Jamal would be number three for me. But And there's even a lot of great guys that came through there that weren't like high draft prospects that were just damn good players. You know who's sneaky? The sneakiest one is Andrew Whitworth. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Been a captain for like every team he's played for. Very just longevity in Michael his Brockers, too. Like, oh, I yeah. Mean, not not you know getting 15 sacks a year or anything but just super super solid Tyron Matthew that one year there was unbelievably good yeah until he got in trouble off the field yeah I'm trying to think Whitworth was 06 oh no I can remember guys before that like well Daniil Hunter yeah yeah man I loved Josh Reed and I know he didn't have a great NFL (laughs) career but I loved that dude he was like a running back playing slot receiver Rohan Davey Rohan Davey shit (laughs) and we didn't even talk about Fournette it's crazy yeah LSU is just and it's only increasing when you look at the guys they have this year yeah it's great it's great Uh, speaking of good colleges we're gonna be next weekend TCU taking Iowa State coming to town we're gonna be there watching David Montgomery pretty good running back prospect also watching the TCU defense which got stopped by the Longhorns so excited I think that's the first time you've accurately told our listeners like who plays where I know (laughs) it is it is Iowa State coming to Fort Worth to play TCU we're gonna be there I had to do like a double take because I was like it is Iowa State right like (laughs) we've botched this so many times I know man Yeah, we even messed up the graphic one point so it's on all of us Uh, we are gonna be tailgating with the tailgate guys so the way this if you've never seen because i hadn't before their setup it's like a village a a white tent village uh if you find that look for us 
uh, we'll have a sign or something that, that actually will probably have my name, not stick to football because of you know, media stuff. Uh, so look for us. We'll be tailgating. If you're over 21 or 21 and over, you can come drink with us. We'll have some Natty Light. Uh, if you're not over 21, you can still come by and say, hey, uh, we're going to be taking live draft on draft questions. Mello will sign autographs. Your babies. Babies. Uh, take money we're taking donations well maybe i'll bring a guitar in a can uh we're just gonna have fun uh we'd love to meet as many of you as possible um we might even maybe there's a rumor we might have some tickets to give away so if you're in the fort worth area come swing by and say hi to us it's gonna be a lot of fun and, and we you guys know we love getting out there interacting with you so uh, it'll be a lot of fun connor will take pictures with you i think oh hell yeah it kind of i think it's funny the tailgate tents like i've never been to heaven but I imagine it's a little bit of what heaven looks like. Just, just these white. giant white tents with football on and beer. And yeah, we're going to have, we have a TV package because the tailgate guys, like they fucking hooked us up. We're going to have TVs in our tent playing the game. So the tailgate starts at one. The game starts at six. From one to six, 30, we're probably going to be in our tent watching games, drinking beer. So um, if you want to bring some food, that'd be awesome. Weather's supposed to be Weather's pretty nice. Weather's supposed to be great. Uh, it is going to be a lot of fun. Mom and Dad Miller might make an appearance, is the rumor. So uh, that. it's going to be wild, man. It, we should get Emmett and their signing autographs. Uh, but it's going to it's going to be so much fun. It, it's worth the drive. If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, come see us. Uh, that's our show, boys. We'll be back Wednesday morning uh, with a lot of news from around the league. Maybe Earl Thomas will be a chief by then. I hope so. It'll give us a lot to talk about. But until then, from Mello and Connor, we'll talk to you guys soon.